Oh, come on. I like the music. Stephanie, Stephanie's computer's in Colorado. Kelly, you're fired. Carl. Shouldn't it be Stephanie Carl's that's fired. fired because she has the computer with the music on it? Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to The Debrief, a weekly Q&A show from your friends here at Sandals Church, where every single week, Pastor Matt Brown is bringing real answers to your tough questions, and today is a super special episode. This week, we are celebrating the 20th anniversary of Sandals Church uh, at Sandals Church, I guess. We're celebrating it at yes, the weekend. Yes, it's our anniversary. Um, and at. Yeah, exactly. I actually was totally offended by your intro because you weren't looking at me. I forgot. We're just supposed to look oh, at the I'm cameras. trying to be Yeah, exactly. No, so our, our podcast friends don't know, but our YouTubers, when I just talk like this, especially during the welcome and yeah, the intro, you gotta greet them. I got to make that eye contact. What is up, YouTube? Listen, you guys, if you're watching video, you may have noticed in place of Dolores, we've got someone way better. It's Mrs. Sammy Brown. I don't know about way better, but thank well, you. Yeah. And she's not, you know, like how Santa Claus has Mrs. Claus. This is the Mrs. PMB. Oh, there you go. <gasps> MRS PMB. Mm-hmm. You should, Boom. That's yeah, a mouthful. That's, <laughs> that's there it is. going to be a lot, but I'm uh, going to change my Instagram handle ASAP. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, man, this is a really incredible weekend. So this is not the technical anniversary of Sandals Church, right? 1997, yeah. September was when? Yeah, it was September. I think it was September 14th was our first week. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, Summer has it written down in some journal, but I think it's September 14th. Yeah. We're going to accept that for the purposes of this show. This so is just, just when we get over, squeezed in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, just over 20 years ago, you guys um, basically kicked this whole thing off. 20 years is a long time. And now this church is pretty awesome, right? We're here. We've got our Hunter Park location. We're hanging out in the studio background. Mm-hmm. We've got three locations. Oh, this last year, we've moved to six locations. There's more popping open next year. 20 years ago, is this what you guys? We're expecting. Well, I'll let Tammy answer that first so you can get the doom and gloom and then you get the vision <laughs> of let's God. Hear it, let's hear it. Our answers are going to be so different because yeah, totally Matt different. would be like, I expected us to be <laughs> yeah. way more. As are our personalities. <laughs> um, Go ahead, MRSPMB. <laughs> no, I did not expect this, is the truth. I thought we would do this little thing called Sandals Church for a couple years and then get real jobs. That's How much of that was your lack of confidence in me? None of it. I didn't have. I any, think it was a little. I, it it had nothing to do with you. I, I I believe in you. Thank you. And I still believe in you, and I love you. Um, I'm glad for that. It really. I mean, just it it wasn't a thing that was happening. Like you didn't just start a church. Mm-hmm. You went to a church, and you got hired at a church. You just didn't start it with absolutely nothing. And when I say absolutely nothing, I mean we had yeah. nothing, not mm-hmm. a thing. Yeah. We had Bibles. <laughs> So typically, <laughs> yeah, the way that it used to work, even like Harvest, people don't realize this. Harvest was an existing Bible study. And uh, uh, this is Harvest, yeah, uh, Christian, Harvest Christian Fellowship. Christian so Greg Laurie, for those uh, of you guys who Smith don't know. Chuck Smith in um, Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, was looking for someone to lead the Bible study that already existed. And Pastor Greg Laurie came out here and the rest is history. Mm-hmm. Churches like Magnolia Avenue Baptist Church, or now they're called MAG, mm-hmm. uh, were started by a group of people. And so these group of people gathered together. And so... Church planting is completely the opposite. You start with an individual, or in our case, a couple, and you start with no people. I right. mean, it's terrifying, right? It, it's absolutely scary. And even so, today, that's changed so much. Right. You know, a church will send like, hey, we want to plant a church over here, take 100 yeah. people, and we're going to give you this much money. Like we, at the time we decided, we were we didn't even have jobs because when right. we had shared with our um, senior pastor of our old church about just like the heart of, Hey, I think one day, you know, Matt had shared, like, I, I feel called 
to mm-hmm. I have a heart to start this church. And I think, I don't know if we had a timeline, but it was definitely five, six, ten-ish years down the road. I that was once, Tammy's timeline. My once, timeline was probably a year. We were not mm. children, yeah. which we were. And um, he was I, like, yeah. how about how about in two weeks? And because we're going to let you go. To, we're going to free you up to do that. Yeah. And so um, it was terrifying. I, you know, I didn't have a job. I was still in the grad school, um, but God was so good. He provided. I was hired uh, within a week, literally within a week. Oh, really? Um, Start teaching? With my first teaching job, um, which tripled our income. And um, yeah, it, just it for incredible. those of you who don't know Tammy, when she got her job at her first elementary school, the cafeteria lady thought Tammy was a sixth grader. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. That really happened. That's a true I story. That. Yeah. So they were like, oh, sweetie, you, you need to have money. I went in one day. I'm yeah. like, I usually brought food, but for whatever reason, one day I didn't. And they're like, oh, you can eat in the calf. So I went in. I'm like, hey, how do I pay? And they're like, oh, you need your code. I was like, oh, okay. I don't yeah, have the we code. We were children. So I went in the office and I said, hey, do I need a code? And they said, oh my gosh, Tammy, they think you're a student. Only students use code. A sixth grader. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. So that's who I married. I mean, yeah, that's how, old you were you, how old were you guys when you. Well, I had just I guess turned we'll say 23. 23. Yeah, she mm-hmm. just turned 23, and so I would have been 26. Yeah. So when That's we started. Mm-hmm. So we were, I, I turned 22 the day after we got married. So we had, we were on staff at another church for one year, and then. Right. So, so when we started Salem's Church, so Tammy got a job, then I got a job. Uh, we were both teachers. I was going to school full time. And then we had this Bible study on Sunday mornings that we very quickly moved to Sunday evenings because. The only people that we attracted initially were young people. That was not like the vision. Mm-hmm. That's just who came. Mm-hmm. And so we moved it to Sunday evening, which is interesting. Uh, our The couple that planted with us, uh, he thought that was the, like the worst decision ever. And so we disagreed on that, but it actually turned out to be our saving grace because it freed us up, first of all, to allow young people who work during the day to come at night. And second of all, it allowed us ultimately to move into different locations that were available on Sunday evenings. Like church that, spaces. Yeah, that so. weren't available on Sunday mornings. And so that was our saving grace. I actually think we stayed with Sunday nights way too long. We should have transitioned much more quickly because um, we didn't have Sunday morning services until we moved to Cal Baptist. Right. So, um, you know, and there were probably, I don't know, six moves in between that before we had a Sunday morning service. Yeah, when we when we first started, you know, there was such a desperation because literally it was like, now this mm-hmm. is in our lap, it's now or never, how is this gonna work? And Matt and I had sat down and said, okay, like people have always told us, hey, if you guys ever start a church, we'll be there. Mm-hmm. And we had made a list of about a hundred people that said, hey, and we just, we literally started, hey, guess what, guys? Yeah. And, and for a, a while, none of those people came. Now there's some people that were on that list that have, have been here for years, but initially none of those people came. And we just, we literally went door to door, neighbor to neighbor, the mailman. Yeah. We, you know, we did everything to, yeah, invite to people. start it because we were desperate for people. I mean, we had to make a go of it and we believed in what we were doing and- yeah, Tammy, you told me the Sunday that we were launching, or we announced that we were opening Palm Avenue Church next mm-hmm. year, that you guys lived two blocks from where that church building is, and you used to walk around in that space mm-hmm. looking at that church building. Yeah, our very first house that we had bought was down in that area, just a street over, two blocks away. And um, we had it a nine-month-old when we started Sandals, and I quickly became pregnant again. That was a busy, busy, exhausting (laughs) time. And um, so we would just walk her, Madison, around the neighborhood and walk me because I was pregnant and needing to 
to try to stay fit. And we would walk by Palm. And, and I just remember now, it was so surreal when we announced that, when the day you're talking about, because mm-hmm. um, we would walk by that church and just be like, can you even imagine mm-hmm. if we could ever have a building like that? You know, and... Um, Sounds so like Pastor just, Matt, you could imagine. Yeah, well, exactly. okay, so, yeah. so I, yeah, always, I, I always thought the church would be much bigger, but the reality is I had no idea how God would provide a facility. Wait, hold on, let's be clear. You thought the church would be much bigger? I thought the church would be bigger than we are now. I, mm-hmm. I was my, my prayer was always for 20,000. That mm-hmm. was always my heart. And um, actually I have another part of the vision that I want to share this weekend uh, at our 20th celebration about mm-hmm. the, the vision of church planting that God gave me very early that was just crazy. But the problem is, and people don't realize this, people always say, oh, church is not about a building. But the reality is when you have a building, it makes things much easier. Right. This past weekend, mm-hmm. I was with the Woodcrest uh, mm-hmm. campus and everybody loves meeting at a school, but not very many people help set up and tear down. And so I'm so grateful for those people. And everybody was like, kind of like, what are you doing? Because I stayed afterwards to help tear down because I remember how hard that is and how mm-hmm. difficult that is. And it's a miracle to me that all of our campuses, except for Woodcrest, actually have a facility mm-hmm. because it's so expensive. It's so hard. At the time when we started Sandals Church, uh, public schools did not allow churches to meet. So there was actually a law in the books uh, with Riverside Public Schools that said you could only rent the facility once a month. Well, guess who that automatically excludes? Yeah. Weekly gathering of churches. Uh-huh. And so, and it was an intentional law and it was, it was really, really terrible. And I'm glad that Riverside Public Schools has changed that, but it's still super expensive uh, to rent a school. And, and you're setting it up and tearing it down. It's mm-hmm. not cheap. So, so yeah, I, I couldn't imagine having the facility of uh, Palm Avenue. And now, and now, you know, through the gracious act of those people, they've given us that facility, and it's almost mm-hmm. debt free. I mean, really, really close. You have a multi million dollar, you know, campus. It's a beautiful, yeah, beautiful. So. The history of the church is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. I feel it's such a blessing to our church. Just the heritage of the, that church that's been there so long. I mean, Matt's yeah. parents in college. Oh, really? you know, got to be a part of that church. And so it's just a really... Yeah, my dad actually wants to come out the opening weekend because that's part of, you know, his spiritual life. That's crazy. So we, we, you know, we struggled a lot with in terms of getting a facility. I would say the facility was the greatest challenge for Sandals Church throughout the years was finding a place big enough to hold us and... Yeah, there was no permanent location until for 13 years. Yeah, until Hunter Park. I mean, it's, it's such a great problem to have, if you will. But that was one of the things is we'd always wanted a facility. And then all of a sudden, all of, you know, there were several ideas like that. Like, can you imagine if we had this building or this building Mm -hmm. or this building? And by the time we were in a position to actually get a building, we wouldn't have fit in any of those buildings that we had, which was a huge challenge because, um, anywhere that we were looking wasn't big enough logistically. And then when we did get a facility, Half of our people left, mm-hmm. yeah. and it was yeah. It's been, so it's tough. It's been a lot a of crazy A lot of Christians who believe they're committed are really it's about convenience, and that's that's the biggest challenge. And so, if you're new to Sandals Church, it's okay to be for it to be about convenience because we want to make the church accessible to you. But you have to move from a Christian of convenience to a Christian of commitment. Mm-hmm. And so, and so, what that means is is as we grow, as we expand, you start serving the church. Uh, I mean, if you're old enough to get saved, you're old enough to serve. Uh, that's the reality. And so, as you as you transition from convenience to committed, you're gonna be asked to serve and maybe you're gonna be asked to go help launch another campus because it's about the kingdom. It's the transition of Christianity is a transition from you to Jesus. That's that's Luke 
729, you know, any man who comes after me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross and follow me. And so the entire Christian journey is a movement away from self towards Jesus, a movement away from building your own kingdom to building his. And so um, we've been able to see that, but for a lot of people, that's a real, that's a real, real big struggle. Mm -hmm. So So this is not just planting any church, right? This is a church with a very unique vision of being real with ourselves, Mm -hmm. God and others. Can you talk about the origin of that really quick? Yeah, so nowadays, right, you you go to these weekend conferences where you figure out your vision, your strategy, and all this stuff. And all I knew from a very, very early age was I needed to be real. And God started to awaken um, that for me in our dating life when we dated at college, when Tammy began to call out... um, some real discrepancies between how I would uh, speak and how I would act. And for speak the most part- meaning like when he would do chapels or, or something yeah, like that, that kind of thing. Yeah, because it's easy to be dynamic on stage. Mm-hmm. It's difficult to be dynamic in real relationships and really, really follow Jesus. And all of us as Christians are struggling between who we are at church and who we are during the week mm-hmm. and, and trying to align those two things together. And um, so Tammy began to call that out in me. And I just really began to realize I need- to grow, and so especially for um, you know any person with a talent, the gap between your talent and your character is immense. Uh, this weekend, this week, I got to do a funeral with um, uh, where a young gal, Brene Brown, was singing. Brinley, Brinley, sorry, Brinley Brown, and um, I've never heard a person that young sing that great. Really? So the problem for her, her entire life, is for her character to catch up to her talent. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, she's fifteen, mm-hmm. and that's going to be a real challenge. And I'm not saying she's not great. I'm just saying when you're when your talent is that exceptional, mm-hmm. you're going to be chasing that your whole life. Mm-hmm. And so here's the other part is, is people worship talent in our culture. Yeah. And so talent actually retards integrity. And so you have to say, okay, no, 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 this is, this is not who I am. Yeah, it, it can. And so you have to constantly um, remind people, you know, hey, it's just me. This is the gift of God in me. And really what talent should direct people to is the goodness and greatness of God because we submit our talents to him and God is honored and glorified. When you are glorified for your talent, it really destroys the person with the talent because we're not made to be worshiped. We're made to use our talents to worship God. And that's whether you're a Christian or not a Christian. And so even, you know, Tammy and I are kids from the eighties, uh, Prince and Michael Jackson, right? Neither of them handled the attention and adoration that they received mm, Yeah, because we're not built to be able to, to, to handle that. Only God can be worshiped and not sin mm. because worship is just how we relate to God. It's who he is. He's fantastic. He's amazing. He's incredible. So but I would say, yeah, that that's where that vision really started is um, just challenging that. And even just like our own Christian life. I mean, I was a Christian school kid and, you know, Matt grew up a pastor's kid, third generation. Um, and so just ha- like such this wide expanse between how Sundays went and then how Monday to Saturday went. Mm -hmm. And just feeling the conviction of that, the confusion and the chaos that that provides. Because a life like that does, it's chaotic. It's Mm. an inner chaos. And most of our friends in college who every, everybody was Christian and everybody was a wreck. And it just really bothered us about Mm. how come everyone's a Christian, but Jesus isn't actually impacting their everyday Monday to Saturday life. Mm -hmm. People need a place to be real um, and, and I would say that's, you know, that's one of the bigger things about our vision, which I don't know if we'll hit on this later or not is, you know, what people will say, well, I'm just being real, you know, that's mm-hmm. kind of a thing. Yeah. We, which really means being now. rude. <laughs> but yeah. you know, it's real. So that 
we're not real just to be real. We're not real just to stay there. We're real to say, I'm really struggling with this. We need a place to be able to bring it out into the light, out of the dark places so that God can begin to do a work. So mm. other people can come alongside. And we just didn't have that in college. And we knew we desperately needed it and started to just have a lot of pillow talk about, um, this was after we were married, a lot of pillow talk <laughs> about, um, what if? Like, yeah. what if the church looked like this? Or mm-hmm. wouldn't it be cool if this? And um, if we ever had a church, we would want this to be at the heart mm-hmm. of it, kind of a, a thing. And and it really, that yeah. those what ifs were, were quickly catapulted into what nows yeah. when our pastor said, good luck with that. You got two weeks yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and let me just say, you know, for... You know, um, my pastor at that church, I I think now looking back, he was right. And so what I would say is when God calls you to do something, you have to drop whatever you're doing and go doing that. Now you need to process it with a community. You need to be sure Mm -hmm. that it's God and not your own wishes because sometimes our own desires cloud uh, the voice of God. And so God called us to move from the Huntington Beach area, right? Beach, Orange County, great job, great church to the Inland Empire. So it was a movement away from self, away from you know, the beach, the California lifestyle to Riverside. It was a move from security to insecurity. And so that's how you can trust when it's God leading you to, you know, if it's God moving you to a better location or God moving you to a higher job or more salary, you really got to say, okay, how do I know whether this is God or this is just my desire for more or for what I perceive to be better? So for us, it was really, really clear. But when God speaks, you need to do that. And in the past at Sandals Church, one of the mistakes I've made over the years is when Uh, employees at Sandals Church or church members have felt the stirring of God. I wish that now that I could go back and say, look, you really need to figure out quickly if this is God stirring or just, you know, your antsiness. And if it's God stirring, you need to go now. Mm -hmm. And you need to, you need, you need to pull the bandaid off quickly and you need to go Mm -hmm. because some of the biggest conflicts we've had with staff is trying to hold on to them or maybe talk them out of what they perceive God was calling them to do. And at the end of the day, you know, nobody's going to stand before me. You're going to stand before God. You've got to do what God's called you to do. And oftentimes staying too long actually creates more problems, not less. So mm-hmm. I, I, I'm grateful that he caused us to do that because- He's I think, had a wisdom we didn't have. Yeah, he was older than us. So he, but he caused us to, to do it quickly. You know, I was a big talker. That's what threes are, you know, right? We're big talkers about what we're going to do. And it actually shoved me into a situation where I had to step up to the plate and really, really- you know, step out there for God. And so then we looked at how do we want to be real? And so we had a couple that came out from Alabama to plant a church and that didn't work out for them. And so they ultimately came alongside us to help us. And through them, we were able to really figure out there's really three categories where you need to be real with yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's important. And, and, and if your Christian faith is not growing, the problem is not God, it it's, resides with self. And so you need to be honest with yourself then we want to be real with each other, right? We want to have a community where we don't just, because some of us are aware of our own sins and struggles, but we're embarrassed and ashamed, or we're just, we just don't want to invite people in and we're not real with others. And so, you know, one of our big verses in the history of Sandals Church is uh, James 5, 16, that says, confess your sins one to another so that you may be healed. And so a lot of people don't understand why they can't get over stuff. And it's because it's still a private matter between you and God and confession and authenticity and honesty to someone else. You know, it's one thing, you know, if I view some images uh, uh, on the internet that I, I shouldn't look at and for me to deal with that and with God, it's another thing for me to look Tammy in the face and say, this is what happened. Mm-hmm. That's a much more powerful experience because I, I'm not only talking about my sin, but I'm talking about the reality of it in that case with someone who's been affected by my sin and it yeah. hurts. 
but there's a motivation there and a process that God knows that brings about healing. And then we wanna be real with God. The Bible says God is close to those who call upon him in truth. God hates lying. Uh, that's, you know, we, this past week we looked at Revelation 22. There are no liars in heaven. Right. Like everybody speaks hell. the truth. Or no in heaven. Yeah. There's a lot of liars in hell. That's Revelation 21. <laughs> so, um, I should never swing and a miss for MRS, PMB. Um, but, you know, we need to speak the truth to one another. And we talked about, remember, we not only need to think about heaven, but we need to live as citizens of heaven. And so what does Paul say in Colossians 3? Speak truth to one another. Right, that's a whole sentence. So he gives a list of sins that just get a word. Lying gets a sentence mm -hmm. because we need to be honest with each other. And it's human nature to hide. It's human nature to hide. Hide. It's human nature to you know to not be real. That's why kids. You don't have to teach your kids to lie. You have to teach them to tell the truth. Yeah. They are naturally bent towards hiding, not being honest, not being clear. And so you have to encourage that and actually reward confession and say, okay, I'm I'm grateful. There can still be discipline and encouragement in the confession. And so, so real with self, God and others, and all of life revolves around those three things. Um, you, you must be real with yourself, you must be real with each other, and you must be real with God. You can't be one without the other two. It doesn't work. Because mm -hmm. if you have a real relationship with God, he's going to call you to be real with others yeah. and to be real with yourself. And, and the Bible says that God knows us better than we know ourselves. One of the verses that um, I didn't talk about in Colossians 3, I love this verse, says that your real life is hidden in Christ, in God. Mm -hmm. So we don't even know who we are completely because it's still hidden. There's a part of us mm -hmm. as citizens of heaven that have not even seen ourselves. So Jesus knows things about me that I don't know about myself. Mm -hmm. And so he needs to help me mm -hmm. be real, which is why the Psalms, David says, Lord, examine me. Yeah. Look at me, God, examine me. And those are the beautiful passages of scripture where we invite God to examine us because he already knows. And really what that, that examining is, is not good looking at God looking at us. It's God showing and revealing what he sees. Mm -hmm. So, so you guys have been kind of leading the charge with this vision of being real with ourselves, God and others over 20 years. What, what are things you've learned about yourself? You've learned about God. You've learned about relationships with other people. You want to go or you want me? Um, you can go. Yeah. I was going to say that to me. So, uh, <laughs> um means me. The, the biggest thing is how unprepared I was to manage and lead people. So I think that God's made me a visionary. I think God's made me a communicator. I think God called me to be a leader, but that doesn't mean that I had any idea how to lead and manage people, how to be clear. Um, one of the things I've learned about myself is I don't want to hurt people's feelings. Oftentimes I'm very brave from the platform, but I'm very, very, uh, afraid personally. It's one thing to challenge people publicly. It's another thing to challenge people privately because the stakes are a lot higher. It's why we're all more bold on Twitter and on Facebook yeah, yeah. than mm -hmm. we are if you really sat down and looked at a person and had to have those conversations. And so for me, I've had to learn to be incredibly clear. And I think it's better now to, to hurt feelings and be truthful than to try to spare feelings and not be clear. Mm. And so I would say that's the biggest thing I've learned about myself. If I could go back to all the staff, and I don't even know how many staff we've had that have worked for us for 20 years, I would just say, I'm so sorry that I wasn't more clear, that I wasn't, um, you know, and really what I mean by that is honest. Mm -hmm. You know, here's what I want you to do. Here's what you're doing. And if this gap doesn't change, we're going to have a, a problem. And so just learning to be clear and letting people decide if they want to continue to work for me and work for the church, but that's really, really hard. It's really, really hard. And both Tammy and I, we didn't realize this as we started the church and we thought we were all brothers and sisters. 
And I think when we started, we were, but at some point, Tammy and I became mom and dad, which is, that's a transition that's difficult. Mm -hmm. And parents who want to be their kids' friends are not good parents. Your kids don't need you to be their friend. They need you to be their mom and dad. And yeah. you need to have a good relationship. Our church needed Tammy and I to grow up and become mom and dad and to be clear and to help lead them because that's who we are in the organization. And that was really, really tough for us because I think we both want to be liked. We want to be loved. We want to be a part of the team. And it's hard to be a part of the team when you're called to lead the team. And every single leader on staff now has that struggle. Yeah. So our executive team has that struggle. Uh, anybody that's supervising and leading people in our at our church now has that struggle, that tension between I wanna be your friend and I'm called to be your leader. And whenever I've gotten those things confused, sometimes you lose friendships. It's amazing how when you try to spare the friendship by not telling the truth, what you actually do is end the friendship. Mm -hmm. Oh man. And uh, so so I would say that, that I had no training whatsoever. You know, I, I didn't think about it. You know, Tammy was, you said you were- 23. 23 when you started the church. I was 26, I think I said, I'm not sure, 26, maybe almost turning 27. We were very, very young and I did not know. So if I was in the corporate world, I'd just be starting out. I'd yeah. be reporting to- you know, yeah. two, three, four levels of yeah. people in most corporations. And then at Sandals, I'm the guy. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what to do. I don't have any experience. And that's why I think Sandals has been blessed now because we hire guys and gals that have been in the business world that have experience and they've learned things. Look, I can teach them about the Bible. I can teach them how to be a pastor, but they come in hitting the ground running, knowing how to lead an organization, challenge people, execute vision and make things happen. And I think that's been the biggest learning gap for me is, mm -hmm. I didn't know how to lead people. So now it's your turn. Um, yeah, a couple of things that come to mind for me. The first one is is relationally, like Matt said. I think I, I was so um, excited and gung-ho about starting the church and the vision of it um, when we started. And then once people started rallying around us, um, I really shifted my faith, I think, and my security into people instead mm. of God. Whereas mm -hmm. in those early days, like it, we knew it was just everything was God. I mean, he showed up as he has so much over the last 20 years in so many ways, but in those, you know, everything. And I really started to kind of sink my, my heels into the people that were around us. And so when they went sideways or when they abandoned ship or I really got wonky. And um, so just learning that about myself, I think that's been a 20 year um, process for me is to hold um, to the vision tightly, hold to God tightly, hold mm. to people loosely. Um, you know, it's been a crazy ride of how many people have come and gone. I mean, sometimes I feel like we're like the the standing at a revolving door of just people, hey, bye, mm -hmm. hey, bye, you know. And um, that's a lot for anybody to take, especially, um, you know, over so many times. I mean, so many times people have come and gone out of our lives. Um, so that's been hard. The other thing for me personally of, of the vision is um, to really understand how I come into play in, mm -hmm. into this vision has been, I think, a, a growth process um, for me to to kind of grab onto that. I think it's easy for all of us to look at Matt and, and think he's such a great communicator. He um, He's developed into such a great leader. He is so wise um, with, with the Bible and how to apply it and how to 
how to motivate people to apply it and, and why. And so, you know, there's times where I have felt like I'm kind of tagging along, if you will. Mm-hmm. And um, it's been a real process for um, me to figure out like, what is my part of the vision? And, you know, by nature, I'm such a truth teller. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a lot to do with my story and my upbringing and just, and the way God's, you know, wired yeah. me. But to, like Matt talked about those early days of needing a place because, you know, he would he would say things like, why does everyone think I'm so awesome but you, you know, in mm-hmm. our dating life? And I'd be like, because nobody knows you. They just <laughs> see this guy on stage. And so I can look back and part of that process for me has been to say like my truth telling um, ha- has been so integral into the vision of being real because there is no real apart from the truth. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the piece that I continually... Um, get to bring thanks babe Ooh, pastor matt <laughs> tweeting on his wife mm. um you know and and so to real to recognize how before matt and i that part was always in me mm-hmm. and that's what i do bring to the table um of the vision so just really finding a place of not accepting how god's made me but being grateful for it mm. yeah i think it's you know? difficult to be mm. to be a female leader in the church and so you know Part of the problem is we get so many mixed messages of culture and, you know, th- there's the American version of, you know, you know, women are equal in all things and all of that. And then you have scripture where there are clear roles. There's distinctions between men and women. And so I think that's been difficult. And I wish that both Tammy and I would have known better how to navigate that. Um, you know, we've had pastors in the past who didn't uh, appreciate, mm-hmm. you know, her leadership or her voice. And I wish that... Um, I would have done a better job of inviting her to speak because here's the bottom line is a church that doesn't allow women to lead is missing half of the truth. Um, You missed that one too. So, um, (laughs) you know, and that's just the reality. So you need to allow women to have a voice within the context of what the scripture says. And so, You've got to you've got to figure that out. What does it mean? And and just so you know, you know, we just finished a series called Others. Every culture, whether you're black, Latino, uh, uh, you know, Anglo American, Mm -hmm. uh, white American, I guess in our instance, every single culture has things about their culture that are biblical and honorable by God, and every culture has things about them that they need to get rid of. And so, every culture, majorities and minorities must submit parts of their culture to the Lord that disagrees with Scripture, and so that's just a difficult thing to navigate for us. And so, and I feel like we've struck a great balance, you know, encouraging women to lead in all kinds of capacities Mm -hmm. and abilities and their voice needs to be heard. But one of the negatives of American culture is men don't lead Mm -hmm. and the world. And the Bible specifically, I believe, calls men to be the leaders because we'll take the backseat in everything. I think men are just generally more lazy. And so God's called us to lead, to to, to, to be out there and, you know, I, I got to be honest with you. In our church, I don't hear women saying, my husband's domineering. I hear women saying, my husband's weak. He's not a leader. He's not definitive. He's not clear. So I think, you know, part of the rise in our culture of feminism, which is a good thing, we need to, we need to honor women. We need to see them as not just sexual objects, yeah. right? Because they're, they're, they're amazing, wonderful, mm-hmm. gifted, uh, you know, literally creatures of God. They reflect the heart and character and integrity of God in so many ways. And so we need to honor that but we need to figure out how do we also continue to honor what the Bible has to say about God's best for us within the marital relationship, within the church leadership, within a church structure, because at the end, God knows what's best. Mm-hmm. And um, and we need to submit to that. So I, I just wish that I would have, you know, and again, I was 27. I didn't know how to be a husband, much less the leader of like the entire church. And mm-hmm. so we had to 
go real slowly and figure that out. But I just wish I would have had more wisdom early on to know that women need a greater voice and that needs to be encouraged. And you can figure that out within the context of scripture. And I think a lot of churches who um, speak truth about male leadership in the church, what they actually do is divorce themselves from the female voice and female leadership in the church. And I think that's tragic. Mm, you can right. have both and, um, and and work together. And I think Tammy and, and I figured that out. And here's the truth. I mean, for so many years, this is not the case now for the most part. You know, God has just done such an incredible work at Sandals that there's so many years where we're trying, like we're all hands on deck all the time, yeah. just trying to keep up <laughs> with what God was doing. There's very few times that we were ahead of the game, figure, you know. So, I mean, it's been ev- every year has been such a learning curve. Such we've grown up with this church. Yeah, you know, we were young. I was much younger, but we were... We're still young. (laughs) Tammy's old, I'm young. I mean, if you put in perspective, our oldest daughter's almost the age I was when we started this church. Yeah, that's wild. You know, and so, you know, we have to have a lot of grace on those early days because it was, is this going to work? That's the question about everything we did. Is this going to work? Hey, oh, wow. Okay, that really worked. Mm -hmm. Great. Now we need, you know, um, and... Yeah, so lots lots of grace in the learning curves. Yeah. What have you guys learned about God over the 20 years? Like how has things, yeah, how's your relationship with him deepened, been yeah. strengthened, challenged? I, th- I For me, I'll go first. I think that you read about God's faithfulness in scripture and that's great. That's where you need to start, but you need to live a life in such mm-hmm. a way where you get to experience that faithfulness personally. Mm-hmm. And for mm-hmm. me, I knew about God's faithfulness because of the Bible, but the past 20 years, I have lived God's faithfulness. I have seen God come through and be faithful over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And I have just had to learn God knows what he's doing. And when I don't understand, I just have to submit myself to his wisdom and his understanding, right? Romans 8, 28, this verse I quoted all week at the funerals for those who were lost in Vegas, for God works all things for good, to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. My job is not to figure out all things. My job is to love God. Mm. And that's what I feel like. Well, and to trust. Yeah, and to trust him. And I feel like I have personally grown deep uh, in that relationship with God. And I have just learned to trust him. And there were moments where I did not trust. I thought, I used to bang my fist, literally driving up the Palmerita campus screaming, (laughs) why? Why would you lead us all the way out here in the middle of nowhere? Yeah. Well, I had no idea this big housing community was going to be there. I didn't know that God mm-hmm. was going to have us be a multi-site church. I mean, this weekend I preached at uh, the Woodcrest campus, which I haven't done in a couple years. Mm-hmm. They were super surprised to see me. I mean, they they kind of went nuts when I came out, but I kind of went nuts inside because I walk out on this stage and these are people that watch me on video every single week. There is more people in that campus than in any church I grew up my entire life. So I walk out and it's packed out, man. The whole gym is full of all these people. And that's one campus. Yeah. And I'm like, and I'm like, oh my gosh. God works all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So because God moved us way on one side of Riverside, he allowed us to plant a campus way on the other side of Riverside. Mm -hmm. And so and then that created a model and our church has gone, oh, okay, this works. This works. Mm -hmm. Because for those of you who are at the campuses, when I'm preaching live here at the Hunter Park campus, 80% of the people in the audience are watching me on screen. They're watching the same thing. I watch you on screen. You are. (laughs) I mean, this is what's crazy. So everybody, literally Christians have such a hard time with this issue. I took my son to the Lakers game two weeks ago. 
the new screens at the Honda Center are so clear. I kept having to force myself to watch the players on the court. Really? Because I was so enamored with the screen. I'm like, oh my gosh, because you could see so much more. Yeah. And communication is identification with the speaker's face. Mm. And you lose that at about 200 feet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, Sandals could build a $100 million, you know, 7,000 seat auditorium, and you're staring at this little white stick on stage yeah. mm-hmm. that you think is Matt Brown, but. You know, the reality well, and it is, provides yeah, community yeah. for people yeah. in their community yeah, if that's awesome. where they choose to go. Um, I, I think my answer is clearly the same, just God's faithfulness. Um, he has always, and, and, it's, and it's changed over the years. In those early days when Matt and I could barely survive, literally, like we, we barely made it. We barely had enough food. My parents were buying my maternity clothes and taking us out to dinner, wink, wink, once or twice a week and then leaving some money for us. And um, my grandparents were paying for our health insurance and it was hard and it was hard. God would put it on people's hearts who didn't even know, like our stove went out, which was like, oh my gosh, that's half of our month's income. And, you know, a guy in the church, Grandpa Jack was like, uh, I don't know if it was Grandpa Jack, actually, he did other things, but like, we, we've, the Lord put on our heart to buy you a stove. Like, how did they know that? Yeah, they literally said that. We didn't tell anybody yeah. our stove was out and they bought us a stove. And, and to give you a, an example of how much that was, the offering around that time would have been 10 to $100 a week. So needing $500 for a new stove to cook food yeah. and that's would have a, been a substantial commitment yeah. by the church. And so this guy, this guy just wrote the check. But stuff like that happened all the yeah. time. People would take us out to dinner or we would go to a restaurant and someone they would come and tell us like, hey, somebody picked up your check for you guys. Or um, the preschool the kids were going to said, we just really want to do, like God just showed up in, in huge financial ways in those early days that nobody would have known. He was so faithful. Um you well, know, let's talk about real quick. We were just out at sushi on a date night a month ago, and a woman we don't even know came up to us and said, I was on the committee at MAG, Maganilly Avenue Baptist mm-hmm. Church that decided to sponsor you. So they they sponsored, they, they opened a retirement account for Tammy and I. Mm-hmm. So that her decision 20 years ago is going to help pay our retirement when we retire. They wow. put our kids through uh, preschool, half mm-hmm. off, and they gave us a monthly stipend that actually allowed Tammy mm-hmm. eventually to stay home from work. This is a woman we don't even know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she just says, I wanted you to know that I'm so proud of, of what you guys have done. Wow. Mm-hmm. And then she goes, thanks. Yeah. And she went and sat down and had sushi. <laughs> it was, I mean, I had no, I, 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 maybe I've met her before, but I don't remember. Yeah, I don't, I, we had never met her, I don't think. The, the last half of that would just be, now it looks a little different. You know, we're provided for financially from the church because we're able to do that now. For a long time, Matt and I were the only givers to our church. And if it needed something outside of the offering, we just had to buy it out of our own money. There was, there was little difference between our account and the church's account. But then over the years, it, it manifested into relationally. You know, we would, someone would leave that was painful for us. And it would it felt like such a huge loss, and then God would provide a relationship that was richer, stronger, healthier. Mm-hmm. Um, so relationally, just providing. I mean, he, the faithfulness is just even in ways we don't know, like not being excited about the location of this campus, Palmerita, um, the Hunter Park campus, and then later, it's so fantastic, like mm-hmm. it's fabulous, and 
we didn't know, but he did. Like he just, and and so what I've learned about God is I might not know how he's going to do it, but I know that his way is always better than mm. everything we always hoped for. He's done it better differently. What about favorite moments? Is there, I mean, there's obviously a lot that has happened and changed and grown in 20 years. Yes, Do you guys have any lot. favorite moments? Yeah, there's so many. Do you want to go first? Because I probably have more. Um, you know, honestly, one of my favorite moments has been this past week, these last two weeks, um, seeing the way that our church was equipped to respond well, mm-hmm. not just respond, but respond well um, to the Las Vegas shootings to immediately change all programming. I mean, and that's a benefit of starting your own church is that we get to have a lot of say in what it looks like, sounds like, feels like. Um, we don't have any, well, here's how we've always done it. Mm-hmm. And so we get the liberty to change and the freedom to change. But, you know, our our, our whole staff, ministers, volunteers, people responded, dropped everything, shifted, and I just sat back with such pride in our organization and our team, um, the way that they were av- available and, and able to respond so well in, in I mean, the biggest, you know, shooting like this in, in um, recent history. And I was so proud to be a part of our church and to be able to share the gospel in that way. Um, one of my favorite moments was actually the when we first moved, got this location and, and moved into this building. And there was a day where anybody who wanted to could come write prayers on the floor mm-hmm. um, under the carpet. So if you don't know that in, in what's now the Family Ministries Theater, but that was our original sanctuary mm-hmm. um, and in the new um, uh, sanctuary under all of the carpet, it's covered and flooded with scripture and prayers. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have a picture that someone took of the kids of our, our the four, the five of us um, with those prayers yeah. right under where Matt was preaching. That mm-hmm. was a pretty surreal day for me mm-hmm. because I was I mean like just like we own this building mm-hmm. <laughs> like this right. is a real yeah it's awesome yeah so I think for me um, you know moving you know obviously the church surviving but uh, the first time we broke a hundred was a big deal for me. Like because, we remember the week it was 99 yeah, it was and we were 99. like, gosh, darn it. She yeah. wasn't here. <laughs> yeah. So the first time we had a hundred people at our church was, was powerful. I think the first time we mm-hmm. borrowed $250,000 to put air conditioning on the gym at mm-hmm. Cal Baptist and to buy our sound equipment. So mm-hmm. actually the Baptist credit union, think about this, loaned us $250,000 to buy air conditioning units we didn't own, to put on a building we didn't own and to buy sound equipment. And we paid that off in seven months as a church. And so I was so grateful for that. I think when we raised the $4 million to buy this building, mm-hmm. that was one of my favorite moments in our church's uh, history. You know, when um, I think about Matt Cash and his family, about how they, they, they struggled with the financial commitment that they were supposed to give and, and ultimately didn't agree on the amount. And his wife, she actually lost her ring on offering Sunday and we found it in the offering box. Mm. Like God was like, no, 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 you know, you're going to give this amount. And they were so moved. And I mean, what, how does that happen? How does your mm-hmm. wedding ring fall off and land inside the offering box? And oh, by the way, the value of the ring is the actual amount that you guys were struggling over to give. And so mm-hmm. um, God just did amazing things. The, the buildings at Hunger Park, so we have two major buildings. 
we only had the money to buy one building and that's the main building that the, the worship center is in. But I knew that we wouldn't be able to park this building. And so literally like with my best poker face ever, I'm sitting at a table across from, you know, literally millionaires who own these buildings. And I say, I'm going to buy this building for five and a half million. And you're going to sell me the building across the street for three and a half million. And I'm only going to make you interest payments for three years. You're going to carry the note. And this guy said, okay. And he did. And you know, our second building now was just appraised at about $7 million. Mm. So, and we got it for three and a half million. So it's doubled in value and he only charged us interest payments for three years. And so we were able to do that, but there's just incredible moments like that. When we raised the $5 million to do the second phase at Hunter Park last year, when we did the $400,000 to launch, you know, our, our yeah. new campuses and we, we were able to do that. I mean, God has done great, great things. And I just love, you know, like San Luis Church Banning opened this week. Mm -hmm. You know, that church was down to like 12 people and they didn't know what to do. They didn't know, you know, what, what they could possibly accomplish. And so they gave us their facility and we had the cash to go in and completely redo the entire facility and launch this weekend and to see all those people, you know, show up. And we don't even have live worship yet. I mean, it's yeah. just, it's just was powerful and amazing. And so... I just I just absolutely love what God has done over the years and I've just seen God be, you know, so faithful and I'm so grateful to the people who have given so generously mm -hmm. to our church because without your gifts there's no Sandals church. The way mm -hmm. God provides is through his people. That's the only hmm. way that God provides. And um I'm just really really grateful and I just appreciate, you know, what Sandals has been able to do to mm -hmm. reach people. So like this weekend I did a funeral and most of the people were not religious, certainly not Christian, many of them coming to the church for the first time in their life. And I said this, I said, most people think we built this church for God, the Hunter Park campus. I said, we didn't build it for God because God doesn't need a building. We built it for you so that you could connect with God in a time of need. And I, I'm so thankful that I'm mm -hmm. able to say that because God doesn't need a building. Mm -hmm. God doesn't need yeah. speakers and lights and seats and a coffee bar. God doesn't need any of those things but people who are far from God and afraid to come to church do. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I was able, because of the generosity, people who've said notifications, second cars, mm -hmm. you know, trips, a bigger savings account, all of those things, because they give so much money. Here we are, we're able to minister to three kids whose mom got shot in Vegas. And I'm able to say, we can give this to you for free. You know, we can have this service. And not only that, but we had literally you know, hundreds of volunteers that yeah. were here. They gave Our up their Saturday to minister and to pray with people who are hurting. Mm -hmm. And I just, I just love that about our church that, you know, uh, the building is just a building until it's used to bring people to God. And mm -hmm. then man, it's the temple. And it's just so mm -hmm. great, man. It's so great to see people come alive and come to faith. And um, I was just so honored to be able to do that and so thankful for the church. There's been so many fun moments. I mean, early, you know, some things are harder to do now. We're trying to figure out logistically how to do them, but you know, 10 years of marriage conferences were just fun times. Um, all three of our kids have grown up at this church. Yeah. And they've, they've never been anywhere else. And they still love yeah. Jesus. Mm -hmm. You know, they serve here, they want to attend here. 
One of them, I think, wants to work here. <laughs> um, they were all baptized here. I mean, uh, Kennedy was baptized in different ways. Kennedy, you know, baptized when we used to, the whole church could do, go down to Corona Del Mar and yeah, do it in that little beach. Pirate's Cove thing. And then Madison was baptized in Israel in the Jordan when our church took a trip there. And Ethan was baptized at this Hunter Park campus when we did the pools in the warehouse on a Easter Sunday. And, you know, that's, you know, this church has been our life, Mm -hmm. our whole life and our kids' whole life. And it's been incredible. I mean, we've, it's been a crazy ride. (laughs) Yeah. And the, and the beauty of that, for those of you who are just starting out is, you know, community is amazing. I mean, it's absolutely amazing. This church has been great. We have, we have great friends, we have great people, and now we have great history. Mm -hmm. And that takes commitment and that takes time. And we're not just about ourselves. I mean, the people that have stuck around have made it not about them because everybody Mm -hmm. liked the church when it was smaller. Everybody likes a small church. But for a church to say small, you have to say no to new people. And and what I love about the people of our church that have been with us through Mm -hmm. the years is they have said no to themselves so we can make room for new people. Mm -hmm. And I'm so grateful for for those people because their hearts are in the right place. And we've been able to see God do such amazing things. You know, so like last weekend, when I gave the invitation for those of you who weren't here at the Hunter Park campus, we had to make a call for more ministers to come forward because we had so many people who wanted to get their life right with God. Then we called staff. Yeah, staff, staff come yeah. forward. <laughs> and then... And then ultimately my 14-year-old f- uh, son came forward to pray yeah. with an adult man. As did yeah. so many other staff kids who've mm-hmm. been raised in this church. Yeah, it was great. You know, you have these high school kids... When Matt says, if you are a member of Sandals Church and you are are a mature Christian and you have these ninth, 10th, 11th grade students who've been at this church since they were in flip-flops, you know, when they hear that, they're like, that's me. Mm -hmm. And they go forward and they're praying with people. I mean, we're seeing now something that is so incredible. And it's one of my favorite things is the second generation of Sandals Church. Yeah. Yeah. um, Which is... Incredible. I mean, you know, when we started, we had a lot of pastors, adult pastors, kids that were kind of, um, they just didn't like the church. They grew up in it and they started coming for to Sandals Church. We've had a lot of adult PKs at mm-hmm. this church. Um, and then now we have all these pastors, kids here. And they love it for the most part. And mm-hmm. I, I love that because I always, um, people would say to me when we first got into ministry, oh, pastor's kids, you know. Um, And I would say, you need to be careful because I live with four, you know, (laughs) because Matt's a pastor's kid and I'm raising three. (laughs) And I I want the church to be not just something we're doing, but something that, I, I, my kids love and they do love it. I mean, it's not always been easy. It's not easy no matter where we go at this point. Someone wants to stop at the table and talk to Matt, which is a, a great, nice, wonderful thing. Um, but it's also hard on kids sometimes. They share him, they've shared him their whole entire lives yeah. on a really, really big scale. And so it's not always been easy, but they, they love what they're doing and what this life has looked like more than having to share. So it's it's been a good, good thing. So after this weekend, you guys are just going to ride off into the sunset or is there Pretty more? Much. No <laughs> way. No way, man. I, I'm more Wait, excited what? about the next 20 years than I am. Uh, yeah. The first 20 years. You the know, next I, 20 years is going to get the healthier, 
more mature version of Matt and Tammy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. And, and I'm super excited about that. And I feel like we have such wisdom and uh, in comparison to what we had when we started. And I feel like God's given me a clarity of vision and just strategy and direction. And I really, really hope that, you know, when Jesus Christ comes back again, here's my prayer, is that Sandals Church is one of the churches that we talk about globally. Mm. You know, that, that think about it, we're gonna, we're gonna be able to talk for eternity. And my prayer is that Sandals Church is one of those churches that comes up in conversations from people who didn't even go here because we had such an impact and we made such a difference in the kingdom. Uh, it's not about Sandals Church, it's about Christ's kingdom. And there's been very, very few churches like that, like Saddleback, like Willow Creek, um, like Harvest. I'm hoping that Sandals will be one of those churches that for the ages we talk about because we gave it all for the Lord. We laid it down and we said no to ourselves so people could say yes to Jesus. And um, that's my prayer and that's my heart. And, and that's what I wanna see. Um, and, I, and I think Sandals and many, many churches like us are gonna have to grow up and grow up quickly to help our nation because it's splitting apart. Mm. And so uh, the only thing that can heal broken relationships is Jesus. Political parties that are, are literally built to separate. That's, that's what they do. Yeah. The church is the one organization that's built to bring people together of different races, different ethnicity, different ages, different uh, genders, and different, different political parties. We all come together at the foot of Christ. And I love that verse this week in Colossians 3, that whether you're Jew or Gentile, slave or free, uh, barbarian or Scythian, uh, or uneducated or uncivilized, all that matters is Christ. Christ is the unifying principle that brings us together and allows us to work together for the good of the kingdom and, and, and for the glory of God. And that's what I am super, super excited about. I don't think so globally. That freaks me out and makes me feel like so much pressure. So I, I try not to think in those terms. I think for me to continue on, like I just want Sandals to be a place that people can come where they go, oh, this is how we live that new life. Mm -hmm. This is how Jesus becomes real for us. This is not, you know, and I want to love you know, I used to want to love people well so that they would stay at Sandals forever. Hmm. Um, that that has really tripped me up over the last 20 years. And I think moving forward, I want to love people well um, while God has them here and be able to wish them well when God moves them on. I, I could not always do that. I did not always do that well. Um, and I just, I want people, I want to help people find their spiritual bearings here. You know, I feel like, um, people will say a prayer and then go, oh my gosh, my life didn't change. It's still hell on earth, you know? And I want them to be able to figure out how to tackle their sins so that they're like heaven is here on earth with them um, while they're here. That's awesome. Well, before we jump off here, do you guys have anything else you want to say to our awesome debrief listeners and viewers? Yeah, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for loving us. And thank you for letting me lead you. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that that is so humbling. And um, I just love you guys so much. And that's the thing, you know, um, I get to hug a lot of necks at the Hunter Park campus, but I don't get to hug necks everywhere. And that's why it was so good to be at Woodcrest this weekend, just hugging on people that I haven't seen in so long. And I just love that. And and just so you know, um, we're going to have plenty of time to hug each other and love on each other in heaven. It's going to be great. Uh, for right now, we have a task and we have a job. And and that job is to help as many people who are going through hell on earth experience heaven. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is through the church. There's no other way. There's no other organization. There is no plan B. It's us or nothing. And so we have to choose 
to give God everything or nothing because those are the things. And so I'm just thankful for our deep youth listeners who give, you know, so much of your time right now, you know, you could be listening to talk radio, many of you yeah. in the car on the way home and you're listening to this because yeah. you're bought in, you're, you're a part of God's kingdom and you want to see this grow and you want to learn, you want to grow yourself. And um, I'm just very, very grateful for you guys. I'm very, very humbled. And I just so appreciate all that you guys do. I know you work full-time jobs and then you come mm-hmm. and you serve on the weekend. And I know how hard that is because Tammy and I did that. Mm-hmm. And we are grateful for your service and for your sacrifice. And uh, I'm just I'm just so pumped that uh, either on the day of your death or the day of Christ's return, you will hear these words, well done, mm-hmm. good and faithful servant. Uh, you have labored much, now enjoy in the inheritance I prepared for you. And mm-hmm. uh, it's gonna be fun. Mm-hmm. I would say that same thing. Just, I, I think, I'm so thankful and thank you to everybody who trusts Matt and I to lead um, to lead you and, and trust in the vision and, um, to know that we, we, we have, we have made it our our life. This is not something we're asking you guys to do that. We're not ourselves doing, um, we're in this with you. Um, we're, we're trying to lead well and, and keep character, good character and to, um, we, ha- we have this goal for our own kids, but also for our, our church family. Of like, we can do this. Mm. We can do this thing um, of Christianity and, and pursuit of God in a world that's pursuing everything else. Like we can do this and we can do it well. And we're trying our best with God's help to do that so that you guys can know that it can be done and, 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 and be inspired to mm. do that too. Cause that's the best for your life. Yeah. So I don't, I, I, we feel honored, you know, Matt, again, like I knew it would be this big. I always believed. <laughs> I, 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 did. I, <laughs> um, I, it, it means so much to me that people believe in us. Um, for the most part, people are so kind to us <laughs> and generous and loving. And, um, I, I think what we've experienced at Sandals is truly, phenomenal and um, out of the ordinary. This this doesn't happen. I, I recently led a women's retreat for the state of California for pastor's wives. Um, and so many stories of wives that they just, they're church people. They would say like, I'm treated like this, this happened, this happened. We're tra- I'm miserable. And, and I just couldn't relate because I just, I am so fortunate that I'm loved very well hmm. by our church. So... That's awesome. Thank you. Well, Pastor Matt and Tammy, on behalf of everybody at Sandals Church, please allow me to say you're welcome. So <laughs> you, you got it. Guys. Yeah. Justin Thank Purdy you. leading the way in humility once again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we do love you guys. This has been awesome, Tammy. Thank, thank you. you for coming in. Uh, you. This has been awesome. Hey, if you are one of our f- batch of people who listen or watch the show this week, like right when we first release it, <laughs> do us a favor. You've got to not miss church this weekend. It's going to be super it's awesome. Be a great weekend. Yeah, bring somebody with you. We know a whole bunch of you guys are just debrief listeners because you always tune in for those tough questions. Real answers to tough questions. questions. There it is. There we go. (laughs) There it is. Uh, If you're not here, man, would you you join us online this weekend at Mm -hmm. sandalsearch.tv if you've got the ability to join us live? It's going to be such a great weekend. We have just a major celebration. It's going to be super cool. So many people at Sandals, I'm going to do a little shame out. I don't know if that's a good thing to do, but you you, you come once a month. You know, the average church attender is like one to two times a month. Mm -hmm. 
let this next weekend be your once a month. If you're, you can come, let's make it more than once a month, but um, let this be the weekend that you're there and that you're looking back and being like, I remember being there. I think it's going to be a really special weekend. It's going to be awesome. So uh, don't miss it. Uh, Spread the word. Everybody else is listening to this in the future. We hope your week is awesome. <laughs> okay, <laughs> come, come to church this weekend. Listen, uh, we appreciate every single one of you guys who give financially to Sandals Church to support the debrief and all these other incredible mm-hmm. things. If you want to do that before we go, you can simply uh, text "Give Debrief" to nine five one nine hundred forty one twenty. It's "Give Debrief" to nine five one nine hundred forty one twenty. We appreciate it. We love you guys. We'll see you at Sandals Church. Bye.